Thing, where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person. Then I met these folks. Wow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. It's a problem-solving show. Every week, my guests and I talk about the everyday problems of life, how they are solving them, and how you can tap into your unique strengths to be a problem solver too. Today's problem affects 100% of people and it's getting worse every year. It's affecting younger and younger people as the problem grows. And in fact, we have now gotten to a point where the number of people and the amount of money available to solve the problem may not be enough. That is why it is so important for all of us to learn how we can help. I've got good news. We don't need money to solve this problem. It's all inside of ourselves. The problem is stress and the mental, emotional, and physical toll that it takes on our bodies, lives, and relationships. Just a few episodes ago, we talked about self-care and the ways that our bodies talk to us when it is in need of TLC. And in today's show, we're going to talk about one of the ways we can answer back through mindful meditation. My guest this week is Stacy Turknet, a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher. Stacy has over 20 years of personal practice steeped in the Mahayana Buddhist tradition. Stacy's been in education for 12 years as a character education coach, where she taught social emotional learning and mindfulness before founding Stacy Turknet Meditation and Mindfulness Coaching. She studied sociology and criminal justice at Fort Hayes State University, where she also earned a certificate in life transitions and a certificate in multiculturalism. Stacy is a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher from the School of Positive Transformation and holds a certificate from mindfulness-based stress reduction from Mindful Leader Foundation. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to solve some problems? Sure. Let's get into it. Okay, Stacy. Now, if there's anything that I have learned from working in health and well-being, it's that pretty much everyone who works as a practitioner in this field has some type of personal story that led them to this type of work. What's yours? Well, um, 20 something years ago, I was um, pregnant with my daughter who is almost 21. Um, and I was stressed out. I already had three boys. Yeah, four kids. That's a lot of kids. Um, you were outnumbered. I was outnumbered. <laughs> and so I was really stressed out and getting depressed and angry and um, didn't know how to face my traumas that I had because we all have traumas. And so I was searching. I was searching for something to change that in me and to help me and my family because if mama's not happy, nobody's happy, right? That's the truth. I mean, and so um, I found a book. It was called The Seed of the Soul. Um, and I read that, and that was my first introduction to anything um, 
mindfulness-based or meditation or spiritual even. And so from that, I like to say I became a book Buddhist. I started reading all the Buddhist books I could get my hands on, and then I found my teacher. Um, they say when, you know, the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And so he's been a part of my life for many years and and uh, very dear to me. So, so it was your own personal uh, process of seeking answers. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's typical. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, especially working in health and, and wellness, um, many times, you know, we've traveled a road that has um, the school of hard knocks, you mm-hmm. might say, um, that has that will supplement the, the training and the education that you earn um, with lived experiences. Mm-hmm. And so you connected with a teacher and you continued to study and you decided to open a meditation practice. I did. That was in 2017. Um, I started teaching before that, uh, but I was strictly teaching uh, Buddhist concepts and through my teacher. But it's really important to be able to give meditation and mindfulness out to everyone in the general population. Um, And so I took some different courses and got the certificates where I could teach it in a non-religious way and pull that out of there. I don't want to indoctrinate anyone. my goal is to just help people's mental well-being. What type of people typically come to work with you? Um, I have all different types of people. I have um, teenagers. I have adults. Um, I have young adults. I have a group of 20-year-old girls that's been seeing me as a group for over a year. They come together. I have couples. Um, I have a couple that comes for date night. Um, I have people that are very type A to very shy. I have people looking for answers that maybe they're angry or they've lost some faith in humanity um, or they're just really stressed out and need some help. Um, everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different story. And, but it's meditation is for everyone. And so it's all the same antidote to the problem. I, I, it's one thing I really appreciate about meditation is that it is, it's, it's one size fits all, but not, you know, it's, a, it's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you try it on, it fits you perfectly. Yeah. You know, it kind of molds itself to you and, and you, you kind of cohabitate that space. And, but I do wonder, are there any common themes that you hear from your clients when they come to work with you? Um, typically they say they can't meditate. Okay. Um, you know, I have several clients that are ADHD or OCD. They're like, well, I can't meditate. I don't know why I'm trying this. I can't meditate. I'm like, yes, you can. If you've tried to meditate, you have meditated. And I think that's something people don't understand. They think it's this magic that's going to happen and suddenly their mind is going to stop. And that's not what it is. Uh, It's a training. It's a tool to train that mind to quiet that, um, I call it monkeys in the brain. It's to quiet that down, but it doesn't stop. You can't stop your heart from beating. You can't stop your mind from thinking. It's just not possible. For our audience who may not know what meditation really is, can you explain what the practice of mindfulness meditation is all about? It's just an awareness of where you are at that moment. It's awareness of your breath. We always start with the breath um, because everyone has it and it's easy. And so we just use that as our focal point. Um, And it's paying attention. You know, it's paying attention to the emotions. You'll have emotions come up. We talk about different sensations in your body that will come up, um, different thoughts that come up. And 
through that, you just learn to kind of let it go. It's like, okay, there's a thought, high thought, and you let it go. You go back to that focal point. And sometimes you have to do that a thousand times in five minutes. I mean, it's, it's a process, and that's the reason it's called a practice. You know, it is definitely a practice. Learning that I had the option to acknowledge and notice my thoughts without engaging with mm-hmm. them was one of the most mind-blowingly liberating things I ever experienced in my life. It becomes addictive. Oh, it's actually really fun. <laughs> it, it can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun. Um, but you also have to embrace it, you know, because some stuff comes up. You don't want it to come up. I keep Kleenex in my office because people tend to have emotions come up. But you have those joyful moments and then you have the sadness, too, that comes up. And so you just have to learn to embrace all of it. I found that when I really started practicing staying open and trying to, you know, not close my heart mm-hmm. to, um, you know, thoughts or ideas or, or people or anything that, you know, I kind of felt like I wanted to protect myself from. And those are terms that I kind of use is staying open mm-hmm. versus closing. And I noticed that it what it actually helped me be able to do is stop making decisions for other people. And when I stopped making decisions for other people, I had mm. so much more time. You have to let go of control. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one thing we have to learn to do. We have to let go of that control. And that's, that's something the meditation does. It teaches you that. It teaches you to focus. In a world where we are often taught to stay in control and mm. to maintain control, this episode is all about how to help you let go and be okay with not being in control. My guest today is Stacy Turknet. She is a meditation and mindfulness coach. And when we come back from the break, we're going to get into the how-to. We're going to start practicing meditation. Stay with us. I'm Coach Elfie Heather, and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Coach Healthy Heather and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Everything, y'all. I don't do it by myself. I have some help from my friends and today my friend is Stacy Turknet. She is a certified mindfulness and meditation coach and she's here to help us learn how we can let go of being in control of everything all the time even if we just practice it for a few minutes a day. Before we went out for the break, we were talking about, you know, how mindfulness and meditation can help us to be able to let go of the monkeys in our brain or at least get them to sit down. (laughs) As soon as you said monkeys in your brain, I immediately thought about monkeys jumping on the bed. 
Mm-hmm. And so now, yes, I've got this image in my head now of monkeys jumping on the bed in my brain, which is probably not what I needed, but I'll work on that later. <laughs> so I often think about meditation as sitting crisscross applesauce and trying to think of nothing. And you've already told us a little bit about, you know, kind of removing the expectation that we're going to be able to think of nothing. But can you tell us a little bit more about the different ways that we can meditate? There's thousands and thousands of different ways to meditate. Um, My favorite way is sitting crisscross applesauce on my cushion. That is my favorite way. Um, But you can meditate in the shower, just feeling the water and and focusing on it dripping down on you. That's a meditation. I have a meditation I teach all of my clients called a red light meditation. Um, You're not going to be driving with your eyes closed, but when you get to a red light, and it's red, and you're sitting there, and it's, what, two and a half minutes, I think, or something like that, you're just going to focus on your breath during that moment. So you pull up to the red light. We all know how chaos it is. Getting here was crazy. You know, we have a lot of people in the city, lots of young drivers. And so when you get to that red light, that's your mindful bell, okay, to go, ah, I'm going to focus on my breath. And for the entire time, that it's red, you're going to focus on your breath. So seeing a red traffic light uh-huh. can be a signal Absolutely. that now it is time for me to just sit here. I'm already sitting here. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I can turn off the radio and focus on my breath. You, you don't even have to turn off the radio because if you're like me, I remember the mini band days when I had kids in the back. You can, you know, you just focus on your breath. Just focus. It doesn't have to be silent. You can just focus on that breath, and it, it's the same effect. It gives you that moment of centering yourself and calming yourself. And so then you can go on to the next red light <laughs> and to the next moment. And it's something you can teach your children. You know, it can become like this game. Up, oh, quiet time. Oh, wow. I like that. So you could do that with your kids very easily. I love how it's random. It can be. It can be very random. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know, two and a half hours on your cushion or even 30 minutes on your cushion. It could be sitting on your bed. It can be walking. Um, a lot of my clients that have ADHD have a hard time sitting. So we start off with some walking meditation. And that's just paying attention to where you are. I mean, there is a little technique to it, but it's nothing complicated. And so as long as you're doing those things, you are engaging into a mindfulness and a meditation. Just um, you can see Tai Chi yoga, all of those are types of meditations that you can do. So that's interesting because I will often walk in silence and I want to just walk in silence and just so that I can, you know, be aware of my surroundings and just mm-hmm. you know, notice them and just be present. But I, I consider that to be mindfulness and I didn't know that could be a form of meditation. So mm-hmm. how are mindfulness and meditation the same and different. So the meditation brings about the mindfulness. So as we get quiet and we're sitting there and we are gaining some focus in our mind and quieting those monkeys down, maybe putting them to bed, you know, um, then we can go into our daily life with more mindfulness and being more aware. So it gives us that, that sense of awareness. You, when you come out of meditation, you're not only relaxed, which is a great thing to be, but you are more aware of your surroundings. You're more aware of what's going on because you're in that moment. 
And if you are practicing the um, the habit of noticing your thoughts and then letting them move on, mm-hmm. you're also much more forgiving of your environment. Absolutely. So one of the things that I teach is the difference between responding and reacting. And so a lot of times when we're going about, you know, think of a time when you just completely, maybe someone, you know, pushed into you and you just reacted. And so with mindfulness and through meditation, you build that capacity to be able to respond. It gives you that space where you have that, that thought, you know, before you react. You know, what is, what is this response going to be? Well, I can see so many more opportunities now in my day when I can incorporate meditation and have it be something that really does help to calm Mm -hmm. the monkeys in my brain and get them into bed. But as we know, one monkey falls off and bumps his head, and then we have to immediately tend to that. And so I wonder, how can we incorporate meditation into a busy, chaotic day. If we, what if we don't ever get to a red traffic light? Okay, so do you shower? Yeah. Okay, so in the shower, focus on the water. Okay. And then as it's falling and the monkey comes up, you're going to go, ah, hey, monkey, let it go and go back to the focus of the water. That's meditation. If you're chopping vegetables, my husband is a chef, and so when he's chopping vegetables, you know, that's his meditation because he's paying attention. And so those, all of those things can be very meditative um, and relaxing and calming. You know, I always say breathing in, I calm my mind. Breathing out, I relax my body. So those are two things that we work on. And so you can do that in the shower. You can do it, you know, walking down the hallway to get a cup of coffee, you know, at work. You can turn your back to the computer if you sit at a computer all day and just breathe. Just focus on that breath just for a few seconds. Can you um, tell us that mantra again? When I breathe in, I relax my mind. Yeah, so breathing in, I calm my mind. Calm my mind. Breathing out, I relax my body. Okay, breathing in, I calm my mind. Breathing out, I relax my body. And that is so simple. Mm -hmm. And you can write that down on a little piece of paper and keep it in your pocket, take it out when you need to remember. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, you know, speaking of children, you know, children in the back seat, children in the living room, children mm-hmm. like little monkeys jumping on the bed. We've got this this generation of kids who are living in a very noisy world that has been turned upside down in the past couple of years. Yeah. You know, we're a few months now into the school year and about a month ago I heard a story on NPR that before COVID approximately 12 to 22 percent of youth were thought to be dealing with mental health issues and now past covid or in covid researchers are estimating that it's more like 80 percent due to isolation financial insecurities loss of life and and other factors that children are just becoming more aware of the outside stressors of life And in fact, the Department of Education released guides and resources for offering mental health services in schools. And some of that includes meditation. Now, I know that you work as an educator and work with teenagers and youth. How can meditation help our children to live in this noisy, 
chaotic world that doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, so I have several um, teenagers that I see privately, and there's a lot going on. And so I think for them, from what I hear back from them, it is just giving that themselves that space of focusing and breathing. And it's the same thing as with adults. You know, um, it releases the stress. It calms the stressors in our bodies. It helps us focus and just be able to approach things with a response rather than a reaction. And so with kids, um, we see it every day, right? They have so much anxiety and they're just, they just need an outlet. Yeah. They need an outlet where they can relax. Kids, I know that we all have this, but, you know, kids are so scheduled, you know, and every minute of our day is scheduled. And and I don't know that mine have been any opportunities to just sit and, and have space for themselves. That's a really wonderful thing to explore. And when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about more ways that we can incorporate mindfulness and meditation into our schools and into our family lives. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I will be right back. Stay with us. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. You gotta love that one. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I am so happy to be solving problems today with my friend Stacy Turknet. You can learn more about working with her at stacyturknet.com. She's a certified mindfulness and meditation coach. And before the break, we were talking about ways that we can use meditation and mindfulness to help our children quiet the noise of this noisy, noisy world that we live in now. And um, incorporating some of these practices into the school system. But I also know that you know there have been some resistance to that idea, um, like programs like yoga or meditation or mindfulness because of concerns that it's in conflict with the spiritual or religious beliefs of the families in the school and that if children are are practicing these things at school that they are also practicing a religion that their parents may not have signed on for like you know not what they were looking for with going to school and so i wonder at what point does meditation become a spiritual practice and what's your answer to those concerns? Well, what I teach is mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, so it was created in a hospital, and it was created for terminally ill uh, patients. So it's, it's a little different. Um, 
than what you would see in a religious aspect. So when you think about mindfulness and meditation and they think it's a religious aspect, they're thinking of Buddhism. Okay. But Buddhism isn't necessarily religious either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's people who take it to a more religious realm um, where they have prayers and, and different things that they do, rituals they do. And then there's people who take it as a philosophy. And so that's not what we're teaching. So when we teach it um, to children, or, or for myself, I should say me, I, I can't speak for other people. When I teach it to children, I don't have any of that involved. It's really just um, learning to express our emotions, uh, being able to um, recognize our emotions. That's a big one. You know, where do you feel it in your body? Where, where is it showing up? You're feeling anxiety, but where in your body are you feeling it? Um, it's... It's problem solving. They become better problem solvers. Um, they become better, I hate to say it, they could become better humans. You know, they become kinder, uh, more grateful. And all of that is because they're becoming aware of themselves. Because as you stated in the very beginning, it all starts within you. And so it's inside of them already. You know, it's there. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. Um and so that just kind of brings it out because if we can accept ourselves and we can give ourselves compassion and care, we are more able to give that out to the world. And so that's the reason in, in my meditation and what I teach, we do loving kindness meditation at the end of every session, every session. And so with loving kindness meditation, um, I kind of Stacy-fied it. It's a really old meditation they've been doing for centuries, um, but I Stacy-fied it. And so we start, this is traditional, is you start with yourself, you start, then you go to a loved one, then you go to a neutral person, then you go to a person that's difficult to you, and then you go to the extended out to the whole world. And so I love that meditation because a lot of times my clients, adults and teens, it doesn't matter the age, they have a difficult time with themselves. They're like, I'll say, okay, how was that? How was that? Did you did you have any issues? Well, you know, when we start out with myself, I have a really hard time giving that love to myself. But over time, it builds. It's building that capacity, and that's the practice. And so as much as we can build that into ourselves, we can give it to other people. And if we can give that to our kids in a school setting, can you imagine? <laughs> I can imagine. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's so sad that, and I experience it also, that we do struggle to give that type of unconditional positive regard to ourselves, you know, and, and being able to give that that love to and appreciation to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I can relate to that. You know, I've definitely struggled with that. And, and I also struggled with the question of where in your body do you feel this because I had not connected my feelings with my physical body. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning how to, to do that, how to notice where in my body do I feel this feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that always felt like such a um, such a, a bigger question that I knew how to answer. But as with all things, when I quieted my mind and and let go of needing to have all the answers, Mm -hmm. it became easier to identify. And I think I'm getting a little bit better at it. Good, good. It, it does become easier and and you'll start having it come up where you're like, oh, my stuff, like 
I was nervous when I got here. I was like, oh, my stomach's hurting, you know? That's because I was feeling nervous. So that happens. You know, maybe you're feeling some tension and stress, but it's in your shoulders or mm-hmm. in your back. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's in the upper back. So. so, you know, we all carry our phones around with us all the time. And I have the Calm app mm-hmm. on my phone. How is working with somebody like you uh, different from using an app? on my phone for meditation, like if I do my five minutes a day or, you know, something to help me fall asleep or something like that? I'm a little biased because I I didn't start in the age of apps. Um, When I started, I looked on, there was internet, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there wasn't anything on the internet. So um, surely not guided meditation. Yeah, no guided meditations. (laughs) So I'm a little biased, but I think when you're first starting out, you really need to find a teacher. Um, a qualified teacher, because there's going to be things that come up. Um, There's going to be sensations in your body that comes up. There's going to be stuff that happened to you in your youth that came up. It's really hard to sit with yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to have someone who can help you sit with yourself. And then there's going to be those times when you're like, well, I don't, you know, what if I'm hurting when I sit this way or I'm, I'm, you know, my back's hurting or, and so those adjustments can be made as well. Um, so working with me, we really discuss what you are experiencing and so what you need. And so I'm always about starting where you are, you know, not not trying to make you into this guru because I'm not a guru. I don't you're your own guru, <laughs> but just starting where you're at. And so maybe that is just sitting on the couch before anyone, you know, the kids are in bed, you know, and you're just sitting there and you're focusing on your breath. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. Maybe it's, you know, paying attention to your steps and your breathing as you walk down the hallway to the next office. You know, it can be lots of different things, but we got to start where you are. My big goal for every client is that you have your own personal practice that you can sit and for 15 minutes. 30 minutes is great, but if you can grab out 15 minutes, that's that's perfect. And so but we don't start there. You know, you have to start somewhere. It has to build that capacity up. So you're able to pinpoint unique elements of each client and help them to make that a real personal, yes. unique experience and one that they can develop. Yes, yes. And that's the important part. That's what my teacher did for me. Um, I remember calling him years ago and I got scared in meditation. And he said, Stacy. It's called mental sinking. He's like, just lean into it. And so that's after meditating for a, a good portion of time. But it scared me. Like, oh, I felt like I was drifting away. And so he's like, it's okay. But if I hadn't had him to lean on, I would have been like, okay, I'm not ever doing that again. That's scary, <laughs> you know. Um, and it can. that's what you need. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those apps. I use Insight Meditation app. Because the first course I ever took was the Insight Meditation course. Um, and so I, I love that app. I don't pay for it. I just use the, the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some guided meditations on there and um, some background music. So, you know, it's better to meditate than not to meditate. So if you need an app, do it. Um, but I would definitely suggest finding someone, you know, someone who's qualified to teach. So it's always um, in season to be practicing gratitude. But Mm -hmm. as we are coming up on Thanksgiving, how are gratitude and mindfulness and meditation linked? 
Yeah. So gratitude is my foundational practice. It, it definitely saved my life. It's something that we um, work on in my practice every day. Um, gratitude, how's it linked to mindfulness is that you're more aware. You know, it's that moment of walking outside and seeing the clouds and going, ah, oh, there they are. And then you feel grateful that they're there. How many times have you walked outside and not looked up and saw the clouds? I get caught in the clouds a lot, <laughs> more than I should, but only because I have um, kind of opened myself up to being allowed to, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I didn't used busy. to do that. Yeah. Well, and there's health benefits to practicing gratitude as well. And when we come back from the break, we're going to explore um, more about how gratitude and meditation um, can not only improve the moment that you're in, but the body that you're living in, too. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Coach Healthy Heather, and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather, and I'm so excited to announce that my book is ready for you to pre-order. It's called Happy Healthy You, Breaking the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. I wrote this book because the healthy living to-do list is short and simple. Eat healthy, exercise, get some rest, and don't stress out. But knowing and doing are two different things. So help is here. We're going to explore how to understand your values and priorities, set boundaries, create a true vision for your life, and enjoy the benefits of healthy living right now. It's a 52-week guide, your path to finding a healthy lifestyle that suits your unique needs. Each entry includes a story with inspiration and advice, as well as a journaling prompt, weekly assignment, and reflection questions. I can't wait for you to read it. It'll be in stores May 2022, but you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everybody. It's Coach Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. And we are solving the problem of too many monkeys jumping on the bed in our brain and how meditation and mindfulness can help us to get everybody nice and cozy and help us be okay with the things that are happening in life. And my guest today is Stacey Turknet, and she is a certified mindfulness and meditation coach. And before we went into the break, we were talking about the ways that gratitude in this season of Thanksgiving um, and mindfulness are so connected. And maybe you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Whatever. I don't need to meditate to solve my problems. Maybe you might be swayed by knowing that your body benefits from gratitude and meditation as well. Did you know that just showing appreciation and feeling, recognizing the level of gratitude that you have or appreciation that you have for the environment that you're in, the people that you're with, the clouds in the sky, 
can actually lower your blood pressure, lower your resting heart rate. Your doctor will be really glad to see this when you go for your checkup. Gratitude can actually improve your heart health, your cardiovascular health. And it makes perfect sense because when you slow down, your heart is able to <laughs> slow down too. And that's a good thing, y'all. That's a good thing. Stacy, can you tell us a little bit more about how gratitude factors into your meditation practice? So every morning when I get up, um, the first thing I do is I do my gratitude. And so um, I physically pick up my journal and I write out my gratitude. And it started out just being list. I'm so thankful that I have a pillow. You know, I'm so thankful I have shelter. But then it started being more about feelings. I'm so happy I'm alive. This feels so good. It feels good to be alive. And so um, gratitude builds on that. So from there, then you have your meditation. Then you go into your day with mindfulness and you just kind of treat people better. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. When you're, when you're grateful, you're kinder. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it works for me. <laughs> Gratitude can improve our psychological health as well. If the holidays are not the happiest time of the year for you, practice gratitude and meditation. It can reduce a multitude of toxic emotions. Dr. Robert Emmons, a leading gratitude researcher, has conducted studies on the link between gratitude and well-being, confirming that gratitude can increase happiness and reduce depression. And, you know, I think that that's something that's worth a try. Absolutely. So I have suffered from depression for many years. Um, and so gratitude is definitely one of the ways that I combat that. And it helps because when you're in that moment and you're able to say, okay, everything's just a little bit better. It, number one, it builds a serotonin in your brain. So you're feeling better. And then when you're feeling better, then you start having the dopamine come up. So then you're really feeling kind of, you know, happy. That's your happy, you know, chemical. And so it, it, it really does help that mental state. It, it causes you not to have as much anxiety. It causes you to not um, get sunken into that depression hole that can happen. It's amazing how quickly we can improve our level of energy just with the way that we think. And we can purposely think intentionally positive things that will change the way that our energy is working. I mean, we've all been in a situation where we're just aching. We're just sick over waiting for a phone call. Mm. And, and our everything in our world is in question. And we're just in knots. You know, you're, you can just feel that in your stomach. And you can feel it in your racing heart. And you can feel it in your sweaty palms. And that is your reality. I mean, that is where you are right now. And then when the phone rings and it's good news, you don't feel any of that anymore. In the blink of an eye, your entire energy has shifted. The only thing that changed is what you thought. And you were able to turn all of that into elation, relief, jubilation, happiness, lightness. We have that power every single day. You don't have to wait for an outside force to come and change things for you. 
you can change that. One of my mantras is I am an endless source of energy. I love that. And I think of that when I'm in the middle of something like a marathon or something, you know, that's really like really hard mm -hmm. <laughs> and reminding myself I am an endless source of energy. Guys, there's so much here. We could talk about this forever, but I'm excited to share a concept with you that I hope can be just one more way that you can incorporate some of these concepts into your life. So get ready. I'm going to get a little coachy on you. I want to take you back in time to the 1980s. In the 1980s, I spent a lot of time on my bike. I lived in a medium-sized town. I didn't think twice about getting on my bike and setting off for some exploring. My parents had no idea where I was. There were no phones. <laughs> I just knew that I couldn't go too far and I had to come home before the street lights came on and everything turned out fine. I used to love to ride along one of the main roads in town and they had, there were these long driveways that went into the woods. And sometimes there would be like random mailboxes nestled together in the trees. And I knew that there were multiple houses down those roads and a long narrow driveway would follow and I would strain my eyes to look through the trees and see what was back there. I imagined that they were mansions owned by eccentric wealthy people and I wanted to ride my bike down the driveway to see and I didn't know if I could pedal fast enough to outrun whatever lay at the end. <laughs> so I just peered as far as I could and then I got back on my bicycle seat and I pushed off and I kept pedaling. When I visit my hometown now, I run on that road and I run past those driveways and I still crane my neck to see what's back there. Now I assume they're probably old houses that have been added onto over the decades. So they ramble and stretch across a little patch of land that feels like it's miles away from civilization, even though it's really just a football field's distance from the highway. Sometimes I think that when I get home, I will look it up on Google Earth and see for myself, but I always forget. I think about those trees around this time of year when the leaves start to fall I commented to a friend recently that soon the trees in the neighborhood will lose their dead leaves and we'll be able to see more wildlife walking around in the green spaces where we run. At least I hoped we would. And when I said it, I remembered being on my bike and peering into the trees, wondering what was back there. And then I thought of something I wanted to ask you. I decided I wanted to ask if you ever notice times in your life when you can see something more clearly after something else has fallen away. Like how when dead leaves fall from trees and we can see more easily what had been concealed. Maybe sometimes we need to let go of other things in our lives so that we can see and focus on something else. I wonder if the things that keep us from connecting with ourselves on an authentic level are like leaves on the trees of our lives. I imagine the doubts and the negative thoughts, the excuses, the uncertainties and the wounds from past failures. All of these layers that we put on ourselves as protection from being vulnerable, maybe they're like the leaves that hide the bare branches in the trunk that we would be without them. But I imagine what would happen if they fell off. I wonder what we could see if we let those leaves fall. I wonder if we would see the most permanent part of ourselves, our core, our trunk. 
Like leaves on a tree, the doubts, negative thoughts, excuses, all of that do fall away. They're temporary. They're here for a season and then they are gone so we can start new. I invite you to notice now if there are leaves that you need to shed so that you can have a new start. Be your trunk and let those green shoots emerge. Stacey, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. We are out of time for today, but I hope that you will tune in next time for another episode of Heather Self's Everything. Always check for the podcast edition of our show on your favorite podcast app on Monday morning. Remember, guys, you can learn more about Stacey and how you can work with her at StaceyTurknet.com. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. And you can stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Heather Solves Everything. Do you have a problem to solve? Visit HeatherSolvesEverything.com and click on Solve My Problems. We'll get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes.